Yeah, so good to welcome along for another week because they roll around so quickly. Peter Mullen, and good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, David. The year is going very, very fast. Another month just around the corner. Last day of autumn today. Can you believe that? I know, it's crazy. It has freshened up a bit, hasn't it? Yeah. All of a sudden, last two days, we've gone snap. Now, you've got an interesting topic that we'd like to talk about today, which you touched on last week on a recent show on ABC's Four Corners, an episode they had. Yeah, Dave, we've been getting um, a lot of questions this week and the week before from patients that, you know, generally have been a bit concerned about the safety of um, supplement, the supplement um, supplements available in Australia. So I thought today we'd go over a bit more information about where that show was a bit off, off skew and... Yeah. Put people's minds at ease. I'm intrigued by this TV show that screened a couple of weeks ago as part of ABC's Four Corners. Can you tell us some more about this? Because there's a lot of people talking about it. Yeah, Dave, as I said, we've, we've fielded a lot of questions about this this week, particularly around safety. And um, there was a couple of really important points that um, you know obviously got missed in the whole um, translation. The show originally ran in America, and it spoke about the supplement market in, in America. And basically what Four Corners did, they just rehashed the same program okay. and implied that that's what occurred in Australia as well. But it, did it need to be modified? Because isn't it different, the supplements it's, in America, to what's available in absolutely. Australia? Absolutely. In America, supplements are regarded as foods. Okay. So they're not, they don't have, subsequently, they don't have the strict manufacturing processes and regulatory controls that we have here. So... Um, in, in Australia, we have one of the most tightly regulated systems in the world for the production of supplements. And this came probably more to the fore, and it's been much... Do you remember the PAN debacle? Yes. Yep. It was quite a few years ago now, but a lot of products, like the, they found in one manufacturing facility that was manufacturing a lot of supplements, that there was some grave concerns about safety and, and efficacy. So since then, particularly, the TGA... Um, well, we now have one of the most tightly regulated systems in the world, um, for the production of supplements and products are manufactured under what's called um, good manufacturing practice or GMP, ensuring that responsible, evidence-based and highly quality, high quality products are produced. So it's the TGA that's in charge of this and the TGA is responsible for um, their two big key issues is safety, the safety of the supplements yeah, yeah. That, are, that are being made and also um, that they're evidence-based. So, you know, we, we were talking before in the yeah. break about advertising in America where, oh. you know, they make also these, all these sorts of claims over the, the media that they're just not as regulated as us. Like, even yeah. online, if I could, have, I could have spent thousands of dollars on hair-growing products and, um, you know, from the claims made, like, yeah. and that's what it, it gets me a little bit sometimes is all these claims made on the internet, you know, they're not, they're not regulated. There's no one saying, now that's not actually true or where's your evidence-based stuff. So, so from this US special where they spoke about supplements there in America yes. and certain supplements they spoke about, it differs completely to how we view those supplements here in Australia. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So with the, with the TGA, so Australian supplements are made in facilities approved by the TGA. So number one, I wouldn't buy supplements that come from overseas. Yeah. Um, Strict guidelines and, and fully accountable. The TGA ensures that any health claims are evidence-based. So if a supplement's made in Australia, you can't make claims about it that don't have the evidence to back up what's going on. Um, and as I said, this is unfortunately the case in the USA. So it, with the TGA, there's two, two categories of supplements. There's OST-L and OST-R. Mm-hmm. So OST-L, L stands for low risk. Now, low risk with supplements doesn't mean no risk. All supplements come with a very low risk if they're classified as Ostel, but um, it means that they've they've met the TGA's guidelines for. There's a low risk if you take this supplement, and however I'll talk a bit more about that. You know that these still need to be prescribed supplements, 
And then there's um, OSTR, and OSTR means it's a registered product and there's a much higher level of qualification. Now, here's an interesting thing that weighs in on it now. The internet has made the world so small. You can buy pretty much or import pretty much anything. You can buy it online now from any country in the world. How does that work in with supplements now? If you're here in Australia and you know of a supplement and it's difficult or it's hard to get in Australia, can you now order it in and can that be dangerous? Absolutely, and it definitely can be dangerous. Like One of the things that this um, program highlighted in America is how unregulated their whole industry is, Mm -hmm. which again, the big big bugbear I have is that that's not what happens in Australia. So, um, but you can buy, you can order products from America, and you're not guaranteed that they've been made in a, a qualified lab. You're not guaranteed about the active ingredients. You're not guaranteed about any claims that they're making. So, to my mind, buying stuff from overseas because it's inexpensive is leaving yourself wide open to have mm-hmm. all sorts of issues. All right. Okay. And also, there's things you know you can buy over the counter in America that that basically have to be scheduled here or prescribed by a doctor here in Australia. So, I'm. Uh, it's a, it's a, we'll, we'll talk about it more after the break, but when it comes to supplements, we need to sort of think that you know there's there's standard things like you know multivitamins and things like that, like what I call foundation nutrition. But then when we look at the area of natural medicine, I'm a big believer that natural medicines really need to be prescribed by someone that's experienced in prescribing those sorts of supplements. Trevor's with us. Hello, Trevor. Thanks for joining us. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking the call. Good afternoon, Trevor. Hi. How are you? Good, thank you. Look, uh, I worked in the vitamin industry for a number of years, starting out as a tablet maker and a compounder and working in stores. And uh, I'm just a bit annoyed at uh, what actually goes on, what is actually fact and reality in the vitamin industry, whereby um, you'd like to think you're buying the best possible product, but that's not always the case. I can tell you for fact. Yes. Um, I've seen practices whereby the manufacturer will assay a batch, like he'll make up a batch of vitamin C, 850 kg or 1,000 kg, and take an assay sample which goes to the lab to be analysed. And if it fails, normally you'll take a second sample, and if that fails, then the whole batch is supposed to be discarded. Yep, yep. I've seen manufacturers retest and retest and retest until they get a sample that will actually pass in the lab, and then suddenly that becomes their attention sample, which they have to keep for seven years for the TGA. Yeah, okay, okay. And the batch should have been dumped. Now, I won't mention who it was. No, don't do that, no, no. How long, how long ago were you in the industry, Trevor? I was in the industry before the TravelCon scare. Yes. With, with uh, Pan Labs. Yep, yep. Um, today it's regulated, and you have a code. That's not law. You have a code of GMP. That's just a code yes. that people have to follow. It's not law or rules yes. or regulation. Yeah, that's the next point I was actually going to go on to. Is that, Trevor, um, thank you for joining us and telling us and sharing that with us. Not a problem. You have a great day. Yeah, let's Thanks, explore Trevor. that a little bit more. What Trevor just brought up there. What what is that? That, that he's talking about that code. Well, what um with the um, GMP, it's a it's a it's a um, good good manufacturing practice. So it's a it's a code. It's a recommendation. It's not law. Um, our regulatory regime for complementary medicine, complementary medicine in Australia is viewed by most countries now as the benchmark for pr- protecting consumers. However, where the, where the gap falls down, even still in Australia, is while products are cleared for safety and for um, evidence-based um, mm-hmm. claims, the, no one actually goes further and looks at, um, say, the, the not necessarily what Trevor was talking about, but like even just things like dosages, like... 
Someone can include, say, a herb like uh, St John's wort, which may be evidence-based to say helps in mild to moderate depression, but they may put just a tiny amount in a in a product, selling it for stress and anxiety, for instance, mm. or so for nervous system complaints, whatever the TGA approves. But you're not actually going to be getting the therapeutic dosage. Now we're talking about a multi-million dollar industry, industry. here, where people are encouraged to look uh, here, take this supplement, take yeah. this vitamin. It will yeah. help you to have good health. Let's ask this question: Are we wasting our money on supermarket vitamins? Well, that's that's my point. Like with with the companies that we deal with, like we, I in in our practice, I only deal with products with companies that I know have the highest standards. Mm-hmm. What Trevor was talking about that if. Like with one of the companies we deal with, we not regularly, but we will occasionally have products go out of stock because batches have been rejected. You know, a batch of raw ingredients have come in from overseas and they've been declared unfit and they've been sent away. And we have to all just go out without without that product then for a period of time because they this company I know do a lot of extra testing. So right. A lot of companies get product from overseas, like fish oil is a good example. Which is really what we hope and what we want. We want them to do that testing. Oh, we want absolutely. to be getting the finest product and we this, can get. And this is the point with the cost of supplements. I, my rule of thumb is if a, if, a cost of, if a supplement is inexpensive, then I don't think that it's had further rigorous testing and qualification to actually ensure that what's in the label, the dosage and everything, is actually what's going to be in that supplement. Oh, okay. So fish oil is a good example. There's about four to six fish oil manufacturers in the world. So all, all companies that sell fish oil will get their product in from one of these companies. Now, the companies that just get the oil and put it straight into capsule and sell it, I imagine that's the fish oil you can see for, you know, $20,000 for 20,000 capsules for $20. Right. The products that get the fish oil in, and again, the one we work with, I feel, is the cleanest fish oil in Australia. They put their, that fish oil then through a whole purification process. So the end product has minimal things like heavy metal toxicity, PCBs, etc. So if, if you're buying supplements based on um, cost, then I think that you're going to be getting substandard ingredients. And the other problem with um, um, supplement manufacture is the excipients or the extra products, the the fillers that go into the tablets. To my mind, inexpensive products means that they've used um, fillers that maybe not be as Mm. um, nutritionally sound in the body as as, say, some of these other slightly more expensive supplements where they've gone through the extra testing and the extra... um, quality control. So you're suggesting the old saying you get what you pay for. You, get, you absolutely get what you pay for mm. when it comes to vitamin and, and complementary medicine supplements. And the other the other point that um, I see happening a lot these days as well is that so getting good quality products and the way to get ensure that you're having good quality products and I really recommend this I'm, I'm not a big fan of people self-prescribing a whole list of supplements and complementary medicines herbal medicines for themselves particularly if they're taking a regime of uh, medication maybe through their GP. You know, things like St. John's wort, you know, it can't be prescribed if someone's taking an antidepressant. Um, It can't be prescribed if someone's on the pill. You know, it can increase your risk of um, the pill not working. Mm -hmm. Um, Other other natural medicines can increase the the loss of certain chemicals out of the system. Um, Where if someone undergoing chemotherapy and radiation, there's a whole heap of supplements, even really awesome antioxidants and things that people just shouldn't be taking while they're undergoing those sorts of treatments. So I'm a big fan that if you if you really want to work out if what you're taking is ideal for you, go and see a qualified naturopath, even if you just have a one-off consultation, and get them to go through with you and just see that you are taking the best quality supplements and that there's you know that you're taking. Basically, you're taking what you need mm. that's going to be effective for you that's not going to cause you 
complications with other things that you might be doing. Move on to the benefits of apple cider vinegar, Peter. Well, just a, just a few things, Dave. Um, as we said, um, you know, the, the simple answer is that not all, all complementary medicines or natural medicines, while, while in Australia we have the best regulated and the, the best um, um, system for, for ensuring safety with, with customers and, um, um, you know, claims... Four areas that you know are a concern when you're just buying stuff over the counter. The ingredients, um, for example, um, a very common, less expensive multi contains a product or a form of calcium called calcium carbonate, and calcium carbonate is one of the least absorbable forms of calcium. It's one of the cheapest ones mm -hmm. you can get, but again, you're not going to be getting any benefit. You're going to be absorbing little to none of that. So you could calcium. be taking that thinking, this is great for your well-being, but it's not. Absolutely. You're not getting any benefit whatsoever. Whereas, you know, one of the ones that we use, use a form of calcium called calcium hydroxyapatite, which is a form of calcium that's similar to our own bones and much more absorbable. Um, the extras, we talked about, you know, the head and extras. Um, additives, like not preservatives, but excipients and fillers. Um, so again, the quality of the stuff that they use to bulk up the supplements. Um, the dosage is a big factor. Like as I said, you know, you can buy a product with a tiny amount of St John's Wort, thinking it's going to be helping you, yeah. and really it's not going to do anything because it's not based on the the dosage or the parts of the plant that were used in the original trials. Okay. So that's what a, that's what a good practitioner knows is the the, the dosage, the quality, where it's from. And the other thing is, you know, the advice as well, like, as I said, like, I don't think that people should just be prescribing these strong, you know, low risk, but still very effective complementary medicines without really knowing what the, what goes with what. Mm, okay. Now, benefits of apple cider vinegar. Well, look, we just thought we'd add this in as a bit of an extra, extra today. Um, you know, it's not all about, like from a naturopathic point of view, we're not just about vitamins and supplements and complementary medicine. While they're a big part of our armour in what we use, um, we're very much um, at Mullen Health what I call a lifestyle practice. So we like to look at, you know, things like diet and exercise as being really the cornerstone of good health. One of my favourite, um, you know, and you know the old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Um, my comment to that is, you know, a teaspoon of, of apple cider vinegar can, you know, have the same effect. It can help you lose weight, improve digestion. There's even been research around apple cider vinegar helping to reduce your risk of developing type 2 diabetes. And it's something that, you know, everyone's got in their house. Why is it so good? Well, one of the, one of the, the big things that I recommend people try apple cider vinegar for is to help improve their digestive function. You know, I've talked before on this show that, you know, at 50, it's normal for people to have half the stomach acid they had when they were 20. So at 50, we should be eating less food and more easy to digest food. Majority of patients that I see come in complaining of digestive issues, and it's often more to do with low stomach acid, not excess acid as people think. So apple cider vinegar, 5 to 10 meals in, say, 150, 200 meals of water before meals, particularly before your main meal. I find really helps to get the acid secretion started in the stomach and actually helps to get your pancreas ready to digest carbohydrates as well. Um, apple cider vinegar also, so as well as helping with the stomach and the digestive enzyme production, the acetic acid in apple cider vinegar also is a great food for your good bacteria. So only about 5 to 10 mil five in, to ten in mil. a glass a day yeah. and you'll notice differences. Absolutely, 5 to 10 mil in say a glass of water, say 15 minutes before your main meal. Okay. Um, losing weight, 
um, aflatoxin has been shown to improve insulin resistance. We've talked before about that on this show, which means that your metabolism will switch more, more easily into fat burning. Um, also helps you to feel full, you know, from less food. So, um, as we said, manage and prevent type two di- diabetes helps to to the insulin to work more effectively. Um, in one study, apple cider vinegar was shown to reduce blood sugar levels by 34% mm. when eating 50 grams of white bread. So having the apple cider vinegar with the carb slowed the um, the rise in your blood sugar down. And one of the big things that um, I like about apple cider vinegar is that it helps to create, by stimulating an acid response in your stomach, it actually then triggers your pancreas to secrete a heap of alkalinizing enzymes. So while it's a weak acid... It actually promotes an alkaline body chemistry. So everyone's on about eating more fruit and veg to have more alkalinity. But yeah. one of the best ways to do that is to stimulate your body's own production of alkaline enzymes by using apple cider vinegar. So just to finalise on it, if we go looking for apple cider vinegar, what are we looking for when we buy it? Um, it needs to be organic and unfiltered. Mm-hmm. And um, it needs to say on the bottle, with mother or from mother. So that means that it's actually been... Um, a fermented apple cider vinegar. You don't want to get a distilled apple cider vinegar, okay. which is all clear. So when you hold the bottle up to the light, rule of thumb, it needs to have a sort of a cloudy sediment in the bottom. So if you move the yes. bottle around, you'll see the cloud. Look That's that. how you know. But it needs to say with mother or from mother. Another great day, very informative. And you're back again with us next Tuesday. Next, next week, I think we're actually talking about um, sugar, how to we'll, cut sugar out we'll, of the diet. We'll look forward to that. That's a beauty. That's health and well-being. Peter Mullen, thank you so much. Thanks, Dave.